We are live, pals. Welcome to another edition of Counted Out. Mike, how are you doing today, my friend? I just woke up and uh, it's fucking noon. Yeah, this I'm is weird for us. I'm in heaven, man. Uh, my, I feel I feel so guilty right now because my wife is at the cottage with the kid, and uh, I guarantee he's probably had her up since like five thirty in the morning, and she's probably pulling out her fucking hair and shit. And I just woke up. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope she's not a, a loyal listener to the show, so you don't take any heat for that. She is not. <laughs> I have been I have been podcasting now for I want to say three years or so. I don't think she's ever listened to a single episode that I've done. <laughs> you married you married smart. Well, well, while on your end, see, 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 it's it's one of two things. On my end, she wants nothing to do with it. On your end, man. W- we wouldn't have a podcast if we didn't have Victoria. <laughs> no kidding. She's saved our ass a few times, man. Uh-huh. Always give us some feedback. Too. She, she, she's behind me. She's actually at work, too. We're, we're flying solo today. We're living the bachelor life for this afternoon, and we decided, what are we going to do? We're going to record. <laughs> uh, she's at work right now, but uh, yeah, she's saved our ass a few times, and usually she's behind me when we record, and she's the first one to go. Well, that was good, but you need to do this, this, and stop saying awesome so much. Okay, yes, babe, you got it. <laughs> so the women behind count out. Mike was great. That's it. But Mike was great. It's always oh, Mike was really good. But uh, you know, you said this too much, and, and this was stupid, and and you should have said something here. Like oh, thank you, thank you. But she's been a whiz with the editing as well, so I can't. Uh, uh, we we kid the women behind count it out. They let us do what we want to do. So uh, I'll say hats off to our lovely women. Yeah, um, and at least uh, you you probably still have Lucy the cat hanging around. Lucy the cat uh, is sitting right beside me as yeah. we speak. I I don't even have Pickle the dog. She went to the cottage too. I am really that's out there. that is how alone I am. Well, I'll tell you that um, after our Terry Funk episode last week, uh, I've received word from head office that Jack Daniels has been officially barred from this episode of Counted Out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as it is noon and I have to be at work in a few hours, I once again am mojitoless. That is uh, that is unfortunate. I have heard a rumor though that uh, White Claw is going to be sponsoring our SummerSlam live show on Instagram. I could definitely see that. You, you know who's yeah. not going to be sponsoring our show? I'm really brokenhearted about this. Okay, so okay. there's. There's been a beer advertised out that I have been dying to try for for months. Um, Most people who know me know that I'm a big, big, big fan of Mill Street. All right. I love Mill Street and pretty much all their products. Uh, I've never been disappointed by Mill Street. And uh, like like they have two of my all time favorite beers. Um, So when I found out that they put out a key lime pie beer. I was fucking excited and shit because I like, I don't mind that Bud Lime stuff and stuff like that. And I love lime in general. So, uh, so I went out and I bought like six of them last night. <laughs> yeah, no bueno. And my very first sip, I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> now you're stuck with six. And, and now here's where, here, here's why it was my own fault. I should have read the can better. 
it's an IPA, and I'm not a fan of IPAs at all. I, I've never liked IPAs. So I, I suppose I should have read the, the can and not just been blinded by, by the words key lime pie. But uh, it is what it is. Uh, I, I, will, I will end up drinking the rest because I don't let beer waste in my house. That's a good call. You're a good man for that. So key, key lime pie, whatever the hell that is called, is not invited. Sunday, August 23rd at 3 p.m. for our SummerSlam Instagram. No, but uh, uh, pretty much every other Mill Street product is, is invited. I, I, I'm sure you, you say Jack Daniels isn't invited, but wouldn't be surprised if he showed up. Oh, Jack, uh, I, I can see a running for Jack Daniels for sure. It's just banned from this episode. That's it. Oh, okay. It, one, I, one, it, one episode suspension. I mean, if Jack doesn't show up, I'm sure Wayne Gretzky will. Well, and you know what else has... Oh, don't even get me started on the great one. Oh, now you got my mouth watered. We got to stop right? talking about alcohol. Or else I'm going to go and work <laughs> up today. Jeez. <laughs> And uh, oh, and I uh, and there and there it's going to be a nice warm day. We're going to be sitting outside. I'm going to need a nice cold mojito. You know that. Oh yeah. Oh hell yeah. We're going to be recording. I'm going to be drinking on air. And uh, we you know we said that uh, that beer was uninvited, but what is invited on August 23rd is all you guys. We want to hear from you. We're going to run down SummerSlam. We're going to talk about everything and anything in the world of wrestling before we are joined by Doug Doucette to perform a live version of our song, and then we're going to rip right into the man who is now main eventing SummerSlam this year. Yeah. Randy Orton. How, how convenient is that, eh? It, it, we're, I, I think Randy, or at least the WWE writers, listen to Count It Out. They have to. Yeah. So, let's talk about Randy Orton for a little bit. Have you had a chance to watch Raw at all from last week? No, I did not watch Raw last week. Uh, Randy, I, I, Randy I, 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 read the, I read the spoilers and stuff, but I didn't actually watch anything physically. Yeah, I think it's safe to say, and I don't, I don't remember, I think I talked about this with Jimmy Corderas, which you guys would have heard a couple of days ago now, because this is the second week in a row where you get two episodes of Counted Out. Um, Randy Orton's doing some of the best work of his career right now. Oh, definitely. Like, his his promos are on point. His in-ring stuff has been great. Um, I, I'm excited for him it's, McIntyre at SummerSlam. I think they're going to have a great match. It's funny. It seems like every couple years, Randy kind of just pops back up. And, and like, right when you think, okay, I think Randy might be winding down and ready to, 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 to walk out of here. All of a sudden, he just pops up and he's like, oh, yeah, Randy's the greatest heel in the world. Well, and it's funny, too, because all the time that he is not in that main event, he's in feuds with guys like Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, Wade Barrett. Like, his mid-card work is amazing. His tag team with Bray Wyatt. Like, he's done some awesome stuff when he wasn't even the focal point of the show. And when he is the focal point of the show, his work is to the next level. A hundred percent. Uh, Randy doesn't get the credit he deserves. You know, unfortunately, Randy, I feel Randy's past haunts him too much. Uh, people are too quick to jump on. Yeah. But remember, remember when he was an asshole, well, people change and, and not only do people change, but, but let's just talk about his, his 
in-ring work and his his stage presence. Like if we're just talking about the character, let's not talk about the man Randy Orton. Let's talk about the character Randy Orton. Nobody can deny that he's one of the greatest stars of the last decade. Well, and between his in-ring work and his character work, I think he gets lost in the shuffle a little bit because he's stuck right in the middle of a guy named John Cena and another guy named Brock Lesnar. You know what I mean? He kind of got yeah. overshadowed by both of those of guys. Course. Even though I, th- I think his body of work is just as good, if not better. Do you think it's fair to say that he's Cena's greatest rival? Um, no, because like, yes and no. I, I like, they had some great matches, but my God, did they run it into the ground to the point where nobody wanted to see it anymore. I think that, I think from an in-ring standpoint, they were fantastic together, but I think that they were uh, booked terribly in their feuds. I, I did not enjoy their feuds together. We might have to have a, uh, a top seven Cena feud or Cena like 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 Cena rivals. Oh yeah, he's had some great stuff. One day, yeah. CM Punk, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, uh, Brock, Brock Lesnar. Yeah, they, you know he's Cena's done some great stuff. Uh, I love I love me some John Cena. I miss seeing him on on the product as well. I I hope we see. I do too. More John Cena. Yeah, uh, rumor is he's done, but uh, I'd love for that to not be true. Uh, no one's ever done. He'll come back for one more when there's people again. Well, uh, as I say, there's only uh, only two people on the planet who ever stuck by that. <laughs> That's Jack Briscoe and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, good for them. Good for them. What and Sean Sha- 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 Michaels almost almost made that list, but then, you know. Well, speaking of lists, too, we do have a list that we are doing today that we have pushed back for, I don't know, for give or take. Top seven vacant title matches of all time is what we're going yeah, to be and, discussing on the episode today. And people have actually been asking about it because we, we did plug it. We did say we were going to do it, and then it never happened. And uh, I've gotten a couple texts from people saying, hey, man, uh, you guys still doing that vacant title? And I'm like, well, I, I didn't think anybody cared about this list, to be honest. I thought this is going to be one of the lists that kind of went under the radar that, you know, because it, it's not one of those big flashy lists like like, like the greatest Terry Funk lists from two from 1997 to 2000, which you can uh, go back in the archives and listen to. By the way, one of my favorite lists that we've ever done. <laughs> I, I, I like it because it's one of the rare lists where you actually agree with me most of the time. I think that's because I got pretty polluted. I, I was, was going to say, I was, maybe you should maybe you should start drinking more when I do my lists. <laughs> that's how it helps. <laughs> what do you think man you want to jump into this list right now yeah absolutely let's get let's get this so just to remind the people this is this is the best title matches for vacant titles so the title had to be either stripped off somebody or uh it's a returning title or like nobody's holding this title at the time and this match is to declare a new champion yeah, so I didn't do any tournament finals for new championships, so you're not going to see the Bulldog and Owen Hart for the European title on this list because it wasn't a vacated title. That was to crown the champion. Right. right. Yeah. So that's the, 
that's where we put the bar. And I'll start off with uh, probably one of the most famous title vacates of all time for my number seven. And we're going to the Great American Bash in 1991, Barry Windham and Lex Luger. Nice. Uh, like, I haven't watched this match in Yeah. You know what? I don't think I'd ever watch it. You made me work on this week, man. I watched matches from ECW, WCW, WWE, Raw, SmackDown, WWF. Uh, Impact Wrestling, TNA, um, the NWA, you name it. I, I scoured every promotion, uh, every major promotion, and I went through every title that they had, and I put a little, and I watched some damn good stuff, and I watched some really bad stuff as well. <laughs> That's always the way. Yeah. So, but did you watch any WCW 2000? Uh, no, I was uh, very smart enough to avoid the entire Spring Stampede and everything in WCW 2000. I, I, I had some matches that I looked at. I was like, huh. And I was like, wait a minute. This is WCW 2000. <laughs> All right. Yeah, right. you, you are a smarter man than I. Let's talk about uh, the Great American Bash 91. Ric Flair is gone from WCW in a very famous fallout. He took the belt to the WWF. So they decide to take the top two contenders, which are Barry Windham, who was the number two contender for the title, and Lex Luger, who was supposed to fight Flair for the belt at the bash. Um, They put him in a cage. And this was just like WCW 91. You can laugh at it because they do a lot of stupid shit, man. They have this brand new belt. And it looks like Jim Hurd's kid made it in his high school shop class. (laughs) (laughs) I I, got to try to find a picture of this belt. They literally just took a plate and welded it over like a tag title. And it just said world champion on it. It looked awful. It looked awful. Um, The the crowd immediately is chanting, we want seconds after Barry and Luger make their entrances. And you know what, though? I will say that WCW, very, very smart. They decided to do close-ups on the fans, holding up four horses and signs and letting you audibly hear them chanting, we want Flair. So way to hide that, WCW. Good job. Um, very stupid. Very, very <laughs> stupid. Lots of mullets in 1991, too. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely uh, the year of uh, Todd Pettengill. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Luger in 91, though, I got to say, he looked like a top guy. He was jacked up uh luger gets shit on a lot more than he deserves to be too if he was in there with the right guy luger could go man he could go and this match was awesome uh barry windham i don't know what's up with me lately but i'm on a massive barry windham kick like like, i'm just enjoying the hell out of every i watch a bunch of barry windham stuff he's been awesome he's so fast for a big guy um this whole match gets kind of tainted by the we want flair chance which is too bad because they they build up to a great match, and there's some cool little facts in this too. Like um, Barry Windham and Lex Luger used to be tag champions back in the day, yes, which they yeah. brought up on commentary. Which I, I like that throwback. And then Windham, of course, turned on Luger to join the Horsemen. Um, the crowd, and, 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 and they're both former Horsemen. Yeah, well, that's it, right? Both former yeah. Horsemen as well. Uh, um, you know, these guys just had a great back and forth match. It built. It, it started out slow, but but they built it up. Uh, great counters they did. Barry Windham did a great counter of the rack in this one where he was up there, but he used the seal cage to kind of kick off a Luger, and then he hit him with a massive back soup. Um, and then this was, a, you know, they kind of built up to the they built up to the finish here where Barry Windham's got Luger kind of reeling, 
And all of a sudden, Harley Race and Mr. Fuse walk out. And Race walks up to Luger and tells him, now's the time, hit it, and gives him the pile driver sign. So Luger hits Wyndham with the pile driver, and all of a sudden, you've got a new champion, you've got a new heel, and you've got uh, a new finish that's over to try to kind of replace the, the void that Ric Flair's leaving. So I thought it was really smartly booked. Absolutely. I, I thought it was a great match. Um, it, it, it leads to, to wonder... Um, if Flair would have not left and that match would have gone out as planned, uh, do you think Flair would have just beat Luger and gone on as normal? Or do you think Luger still would have, would have, would have won and become champion? I, I think Luger would have still won because it sounds like Flair was on the outs with WCW at this time, right? They wanted to put an earring in him, call him Spartacus, all that shit. I think they were yeah, trying, yeah. trying to phase Flair out. And how stupid is that? That's a whole other podcast. But uh, yeah. my, my number six, so I'm going to stick with uh, I'm going to stick with WCW here, and we're going to go to Super Brawl Nine. We're going to talk about Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko fighting Barry Windham and Curtin for the uh, WCW Tag Team Titles. Oh, okay. I don't think I've ever seen this match. To be perfectly honest. Oh man, do yourself a favor. This one is this one's really cool. Uh, former tag team champions Rick Steiner and Kenny Chaos had to vacate the title due to an injury to Rick Steiner. Poor, poor Kenny Chaos. This guy, that was his break, man. Oh, I'm a tag champion with Rick Steiner. I never, you never heard from him again. I don't even think Kenny Chaos was in the tag team tournament that they did for this. Huh. Um, this, this was a cool concept for the tournament, though. This was a double elimination. So, Going into this match, uh, Benoit and Malenko had actually already lost to Henning and Wyndham on an episode of Nitro or Thunder. I don't remember which one. And Wyndham and Henning were actually undefeated going into this tournament. So in order for Benoit and Malenko to win the belt, they would have to win twice. Whereas Henning and Wyndham would just have to win one, which I, I thought was kind of a cool story. You get the little, the, the baby faces are already, you know, fighting from behind, right? Yeah. Uh, at, at this point, Though Barry Windham just looks like he's homeless. It literally looked like he just <laughs> rolled off the streets. He's got that dirty goatee. He's got the jean outfit on. He he looked awful. But then well, when he got in well, the that's, ring, man, that's because he, he's he coming. Had... That's because he's coming off of being the stalker, and and he just he had no hope or, or dreams anymore. No kidding. No <laughs> kidding. He, he looked his, his look here was not uh, it was not pretty, but he got in the ring and man he could still turn it up and he could still go um uh what a group of talent by the way in the, the ring you oh got, yeah you got barry windham kurt henning ben juan malenko um bobby heen and you know and he even pointed out he had a great line you've got uh, at this point i think uh, um henning and, and windham had been cleared to the outside and he just looks up he goes look at this you know you got two horsemen in the ring and you got two former horsemen on the floor which i, I like that they threw back to that as well right yeah, yeah, that's right. I uh yeah, you you got four of the all-time great in-ring workers here. Mm-hmm. Uh you you have Barry Windham which is uh very possibly one of the most underrated in-ring performers of all time. I I think uh, so. Pe- people don't I th- I think WWE has you know especially most WWE fans like people who are weren't big WCW guys. Uh, WWE just tarnished his career. Like people don't think of Barry Windham as good as he is, 
you need to watch a lot of WCW to see how great Barry Windham uh, was. Uh, So I I think he is one of the most underrated. Uh, Kurt Henning, underrated is not in the vocabulary where you're talking about Kurt Henning. Everybody knows how goddamn good Kurt Henning is. Oh, yeah. And and it really showed because when him and Benoit got in the ring, like the match, it it changed. They were were just like clicking on this match. They were just hitting each other with, with big chops, aggressive grappling. They're both slapping each other in the face, hockey brawls. And there's something like when Kurt Henning gets fired up and pissed off in a match, he is so good. Like he, he just plays yeah. it off like he wants to murder you. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, like like they did cool stuff here. Like Benoit hits the diving headbutt and the veteran Barry Windham distracts the referee. So Kurt Henning can low blow Benoit after. You know what I mean? Like uh, they, they just did a very classic tag team match. It was very back and forth. The crowd was really into the horseman the whole time, especially when Benoit got in the ring. Benoit was super over. Um, at this point, Chris Benoit had never held a championship in WCW. What year was this? This was 99. Or no. Wow. Yeah, 98, sorry, 98. 98, right. Okay, yeah. but still, you went that long without holding a title. Like yeah, I'm, you, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't at least put the cruiserweight title on him or something like that, you know? I, I think he like won the TV title on a house show. But he never okay. had anything on TV. But yeah, no, the, he was fighting for his first chance. The, the announcers made a point to that. Um, I just love, like, I'm a big mark for tag team wrestling, and and you guys are gonna kind of pick up on that over the next couple of weeks with some future lists that we have as well. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, spoil. Yeah, we might talk about tag teams quite a bit coming up. Um, just lots of quick tags, the heels cutting off the ring, um, big pop for. For the hot tag, they worked over Benoit for a lot, and then Malenko got the hot tag, locks in the te- Texas Cloverleaf, gets Barry Wyndham to tap out, and then I like the finish here because they go right into the finish after this, which is cool. There's supposed to be a rest period because there's got to be another fall, right? The, the horse yeah. has to win twice, and Benoit and Perfect are just beating the shit out of each other, distracting the referee, and Barry Wyndham takes his belt off and wraps it around Malenko's neck and rolls him up for a small package to steal the win, and I thought it was genius that is genius that's a great finish yeah you know what if you guys haven't watched this match ever or haven't seen it in a long time go back for a rewatch it it's really it's it's a, a textbook tag team match can we talk for one second how great the chemistry between benoit malenko has always been and it oh, didn't yeah. matter if they were a tag team or if they were opponents are they not two of the greatest workers when they're in the ring together? Uh-huh, absolutely. You know, and, and obviously... That, I feel they bring the best out in each other. And and you could say that a lot about them and other people, too. Benoit Malenko are just two of the greatest workers of all time. And I know, you of know, course. Chris Benoit, there's all this shit. And yes, you know, terrible things are, are done. But let's just talk about from an in-ring standpoint. There, there wasn't many better... No, I want to talk and, and about yeah, yeah the same thing. The same thing I said about about Randy. You know, when we're talking about professional wrestling, you know, you, you, sometimes you have to eliminate. When we're talking about matches and stuff like that, you have to eliminate man and talk about the character. Yeah. Um, I can I, I can I can put on a full podcast of how much I fucking hate the Ultimate Warrior. You know what I mean? But then, yeah. you know, it, but if you want to talk about some matches and some feuds, I will talk about, you know, 
what I liked about the character uh, of the Ultimate Warrior and the things I did enjoy, even though I'm not a fan of the character either. So I guess that was a bad, uh, bad example. But there, you know, uh, I at least I can sit down and separate the piece of shit homophobe from the batshit crazy character. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, same, same thing with Hulk Hogan. You know, I, I when I sit down, if I'm going to sit down and watch you know, WrestleMania six and see a, a, a bigot versus a fucking uh, homophobe. Well, I'm just going to, it's going to ruin wrestling for me. You can't do that. So if you're watching a Benoit match and all you see is a murderer, then you might as well stop watching television because every television show, every movie has a piece of shit in it. It took me, a while to be able to watch a Benoit match again and up until recently you know the last year maybe I've, I've finally been able to sit down and, and separate it and, and you know his his body of work is he was one of the best of all time and exactly was, but it did take me a while to get there I'm not gonna lie now um, people keep asking me when I say I say stuff like that so well, well do you think you should be in the Hall of Fame then my answer is still no because I think the Hall of Fame does have to do with your person with who you are personally as well um if it's how you represent the business both in and out of the ring um so i think having a man who's done shit like what benoit has done uh does not reflect well on the uh uh, on the business i mean i I, and 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 i've said that about well well, that's i've said that about other guys as well uh you know I'm a massive as a as a uh, uh, me being a boxing fan. I'm a huge Mike Tyson fan. I wasn't a big fan of him going in the Hall of Fame. I'm like, okay, cool. We're gonna add a rapist to the list, you know? Yeah, well, that Hall of Fame is a joke, anyways. Let's be real. But uh, but anyways, uh, I, I, I kind of varied from the the conversation. Um, the point is, Benoit is one of the greatest. Uh, in-ring performers of all time he does at least get his due i don't know if malenko gets his due i um malenko we talked about barry windham right you talked about him being one of the most underrated guys of all time let's talk about team malenko i i don't know if he gets his due he's one of the greatest uh wcw cruiserweight champions of all time yeah he is one of the most prolific submission technicians ever they don't call him the man of a thousand holds for no reason took the words right out of my mouth you know um he is he comes from a hell of a background his father was one of the greatest as well um you know he just he doesn't get the 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 credit he deserves he's had some of the great feuds his feud with jericho is one of the greatest things in history um you know Yes, exactly. He is one of the ones who fell between the cracks when he went to WCW, very much like Barry Windham. Uh, you know, they, they they didn't have much faith in him. I don't know. Um, it's true he's uh, he could uh, lose to Lance Storm in a personality contest, uh, and that's important in WWE, right? Yeah. When you you know you need if if. If they don't think you have personality, if they don't think you have charisma, 
if but but you're still very talented, you kind of get shoved into a box. Although and, I, uh, I was highly entertained by Landstorm always. I, I liked his promos. I liked his character. I, I was a fan. <laughs> I just like the jokes about him being a robot. Yeah, uh, and that, well, that was part of it, though. That was the part of the charm, though. Yeah. Um, but Malenko, you know, if I'm WWE and I bring him in, you look at him and you're like, okay, he doesn't have much of a personality. Well, did he not go by the name Iceman for a long fucking time? Right. You, you, you use that. Also, he turned no, into one of, one of the best but, agents as well. Exactly. So, so, but instead of using the whole Iceman character and allowing him to be, you know, with no personality, no, you turn him into fucking James Bond. What the yeah. fuck was that? They did some stupid shit. Let's be real. Like, I, yeah. I don't. We could do a whole list on stupid shit. We need a ten parter for stupid shit WWE's done. Before we go on to number six, I will. While we're talking about Malenko and Benoit, I will say that uh, I remember popping my ass off when the Radicals debuted in WWE. Oh, what a moment, eh? Yeah, what a moment. That whole time period was cool too, man. Like that—that that was some—that was some crazy shit towards the end of WCW. There, smart, smart move by the Radicals. Mick Foley had the best line on that one. After, do you remember their promo backstage? Not exactly, no. Foley looks at Eddie, Eddie Guerrero after and goes, Eddie, what was it like to look out into the, fan, into the crowd and actually see people there? Which I thought was a nice little <laughs> dig. <laughs> that is pretty funny. All right, so what's your number five, bud? Uh, number five, we are going to WrestleMania 4. We're going to talk about the Macho Man versus the Million Dollar Man. Of course. Uh, one, of the, one of the great vacated title matches. I'll tell you what, this wasn't on my original list. There was a lot of good stuff I watched, but this has to be on my list. This is a legendary match, a legendary WrestleMania, and, a, and like you said, one of the most famous fake title matches of all time. I, I mean, when say, I, maybe, when I, maybe when I assigned this, when I assigned this list to you, I had two matches in the back of my head, and this was one of them. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to have your other one on. We'll see. There's some stuff that I'm, I'm going to take some heat for leaving off here, for sure. Um, but what can we say about this match that hasn't been said already? I know we talked about it on our Million Dollar Man episode. If you want to hear a little more about it, check it out in the archive. Uh, just a great story they told. This whole thing was the end of a great story. Let's be real. Uh, the, the Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant controversial title thing on Saturday night's main event with the heel referees is what sparked this whole tournament to happen. The million Dollar Man trying to buy the belt. Uh, and this is the payoff for it. And, you know, you get you get DiBiase, who paid Andre to take Hogan out of the... He had the buy going into the final, right? Yeah. Man had to work four times. Right? Like, uh, just just a great story all around, right? I think I cut you off there, Mike. Do you want to say something? No, no. We were just having small uh, audio difficulty there for a second, so I stopped oh. talking. Just to, to let it all catch up, but uh, I think we're good now. Yep. Well, I'll carry on then. It's the Macho Man's fourth match of the night, so, you know, he's already run down, and, and DiBiase's fresh going into the finals. So, again, the baby faces. Who's in, who's in DiBiase's corner? Andre the Giant. Andre keeps involving himself in the match, and Macho says, you know, sends Liz to the back. Comes back, back with the Hulk. He's the equalizer at that point, right? 
the crowd was hot for this one. Uh, we talked about WrestleMania 4, uh, if you listened to our Jimmy Cordero's interview earlier in the week as well. Uh, not this match per se, but just what it was like, uh, his first WrestleMania. And, and Hogan, you know, ends up being the equalizer, sneaking in, hitting DiBiase with the chair, and helping Macho Man win his first ever world title. And they, they made Macho that night. Uh, oh, absolutely. This was one of uh, one of uh, Randy's defining career moments. Yes. Um, I, would say his- I will. I, I would. I would definitely put his title win at WrestleMania eight above this match. Oh, really? Eh. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Um, just the match alone. Yeah, um, the match is better. But uh, but this for for. Moments to define the career of the Majo Man. This 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 match has to be up there. Oh, this is one of the first ever WrestleMania moments too. Like that image of of Macho with Liz on his shoulder and Hogan pointing at them underneath that big WrestleMania banner. It's an iconic moment in our, our industry. And he's really um, solidifying himself as one of the greats here because he's coming hot off of one of the greatest WrestleMania matches ever. Uh, just the year before, yeah, you know, and that's, he, you I know, think the one I think they fucked up once on this tournament, and they they put Greg the Hammer Valentine over Ricky Steamboat to face Macho in the semifinals. How great would that rematch have been at WrestleMania Four? I think they would have been afraid to do it because there's no way it could have lived up. Yeah, and it's babyface, babyface, also, and it's oh, exactly, and it's already <laughs> it's already going to be hard enough. Because they know they're like, okay, we're putting uh, we're putting Randy versus Ted in, in, in the finals. It's going to be hard to beat last year's match. Yeah, you know, um, in, in in two different ways, uh, Rand, it's going to be hard for Randy to outdo what he did last year, and it's going to uh, be hard to outdo the main event because you got Randy versus T- Ted here when the year before was Hogan Andre one of the one of the defining moments of the WWF now so 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 you you have to think that Vince was kind of shaking in his boots in the back let's play devil's advocate a little bit then and and why not have faith in your in your talent look what they did at King of the Ring 93 they let Bret and Perfect go out there and I think their match was better than their SummerSlam match Oh, absolutely! I, I, I and it worked out for them because the match was the match was great and fine like that. But let's be honest; I think more people talk about the two WrestleMania, uh, WrestleMania three matches before they talk about the two WrestleMania four matches. Yeah, no, I, I get you. I, I'm just saying I would have liked to have seen it. I don't think it made sense though from a tournament standpoint, and, and the way they did it was just fine. But that's just me being selfish. I, I would like to have seen them have that rematch. Oh, me too. Absolutely. Um, and, and it would have been a different match because it would have been face versus face and uh, you know it would have been a different story so and again also um, I, I'm not going to go too much into this one because we did talk about it at length in a prior episode so you know if you haven't seen this match what the hell are you even listening to us for like you, everyone I'm assuming that's ever listened to our show has seen this match right yeah well you, you, I don't think you're a wrestling fan if you haven't watched it <laughs> But Simple I, as that. I will tell you, Mike, my number four is a deep cut. We are All going, right. We are going to the Clash of the Champions number seven, and we are taking a look at the fabulous Freebirds versus the Midnight Express for the vacant tag team titles. 
All right. What it's year are we talking? Great. Uh, if I had to take a guess, I would say 89, 88, 89, somewhere in there. Okay. And, and I think 89. I want to say 89. Um, this, was, this was cool. Prior champions were Dr. Death, Steve Williams, and Mike Rotundo. They got stripped of the title due to Kevin Sullivan attacking special guest referee Nikita Koloff during a match. And the WWE head offices were just not having that. So that was one of the varsity club, right? Dr. Death, Rotundo, and Sullivan. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting Freebird combo here. We had uh, in the match was uh, Jimmy Garvin and Michael Hayes, but they were accompanied by Terry Bam Bam Gordy. So you don't usually see those three together, which I thought was cool. Right. Also very weird to see the Midnight Express of the baby faces. Uh, you know, something about Cornette as a face just never was right with me. But the... Uh, a cool, a cool start to this match also is Paul Heyman comes out and lays out Jim Cornette with a horseshoe tennis before the match starts. Huh. Uh, I guess they were they were starting off off their the original Midnight Express versus the Midnight Express feud the, that they were doing in WCW there. Uh, yeah, uh, and and it was a great story that they told because even Jim Ross brings this up losing Cornette. Cornette was was carted out; they didn't have him, uh, and it threw the Midnight Express off their game. So now they're, as Jim Ross said, their strategy guy is gone. So, you know, the Express are already rattled right off the get-go, right? Um, the Midnight Express, I don't know if you know this or not, Mike, they're one of the greatest tag teams of all time. And it really shows. <laughs> like, everyone just said it, like, oh, the Midnight Express are the best. And you just kind of like, yeah, you know, Midnight Express, you hear it. When you actually go and watch these guys, they are one of the smoothest tag teams that you you are ever gonna watch, and, and yeah. I get it. You know what I mean? I oh, get I definitely get it as like well. Yeah, um, uh, you know, I'm, and I. Have... Go ahead, go ahead. I'm, I'm gonna throw something at you real quick. Just don't even think about it. Just answer me. Yeah. Best tag team: Midnight versus Rock and Roll. Uh, I go with the Midnight, and I'm going Rock and Roll. All right. I, I you know, yeah. I, I don't think there's a wrong answer there to be honest i i do like the ricky morton fired up babyface selling but yeah damn right as far as like tag team work goes and, and being smooth and uh, tag team moves and cutting off the ring and the psychology i'm going tonight all right all right um this is great heel work by the way by the Freebirds here the Freebirds, birds the uh, you know michael hayes doesn't get his just due either we're talking about guys that don't get a just due michael hayes was a great heel he's constantly bagging off uh the, the Express are really rolling a fast pace to this match. They, they're off to a hot start. Quick tags, double team moves. Like three minutes in, and, and like I just said, dude, we're three minutes into this match, and you can see why people are saying the Midnight Express are that good. And the crowd is, like, on fire for this match. Uh, Freebirds cut off the ring nicely. And like I said, I'm a, I'm a mark for tag team wrestling. Ref distraction so the heels can double team. Just classic heel tag team wrestling, which I, I'm a massive fan of. And where uh, where was the, where was the event? Was it like in the Atlanta area in the Carolinas? Do you know? Do you I, remember? I don't know where it was. It looked like it was in a fucking high school gym. To be honest, it, it was <laughs> it was a really weird setting. But the crowd was hot. For uh, um, and I, I just left a note. Uh, I watching this match. It just says this is tag team wrestling at its finest. You know they. They, they built to that hot tag, and, and man, when they hit it, like the Midnight Express came in, and, and they just clean house, and, and they've got 
the match won. The referees lost control. All four men are in, and it allows Terry Gordy to sneak in, hit a big power bomb, and then your free birds steal the tag team titles like the heels that they are. Well, I'm definitely going to have to go and watch this match. This, um, this I'm glad I'm glad Cornette got eliminated early because I don't want to see a face Cornette. Uh, That's weird. I, I have no interest in seeing a face Cornette. I, I find if you're not a face in real life, you're never going to be able to play one on TV. No, no, no. <laughs> kidding, <right? laughs> uh, I highly recommend that. That's my. This is my deep cut of the list for sure. I, I highly, highly. That, that's a really good one. It, it, it really, you've already told me two matches that I haven't seen, both tag team matches, by the way. And I'm going to have to go watch both of them. I'm, I'm very intrigued by both these matches. Well, my number three is a match that I'm sure you've seen before. Uh, we are going for Unforgiven 2004. It is Christian versus Chris Jericho in a ladder match for the vacated Intercontinental title. Right. Um, I didn't, this didn't. Compute to me, I didn't remember this, but I'm so glad you brought it up. Uh, I, that's I, I can't believe I didn't think of this match. Yeah, I um, I have not watched this match since it probably aired originally, but I just remember it being a hell of a match when it did air. And if I'm remembering it from 2004, you know I'm going back to rewatch it for this list, right? Right. Uh, this title has been vacated due to an injury from Edge, which is too bad. This was uh, during a really weird phase in the WWE where the baby faces can't be Canadian. So Chris Jericho is from New York now. But uh, yeah, yeah, Christian is still from Toronto. So yeah, that was uh, that was really weird. I remember I that. Didn't, I didn't get that. <laughs> I, I don't know as a Canadian if I was even insulted by that. Uh, very weird. Well, I, I, guess, I mean, he, he was born in New York. Yeah. And, but... and, if, and I think he. Uh, I think he even may have been living in New York at the time. I have, I don't I have no idea where he was living, but I I know he's in Tampa for the most part. I think they yeah. all moved to Tampa because they don't have to pay taxes. They, yeah, they they pretty much all moved to Tampa at one point, uh, and then Edge Edge ended up moving to Phoenix. Yeah, but yeah, uh, they all left us. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> all our all our great Canadians, none of them live in Canada anymore. <laughs> all we all we have now is Brock Lesnar. Oh shit! And he's not even Canadian. So does that mean when we blow up, Mike, we gotta leave too? Uh, yeah, when 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 we hit off, uh, when when we become the uh, the 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 podcast to beat out Conrad Thompson. Uh, we'll have we'll have to leave. We're gonna have to go to uh to. Well, I guess we'll have to go to Tampa. I'm down for Tampa. They got football. They got baseball. They got hockey. I I could do Tampa. But... I I enjoy Tampa. I I've been I've been to I vacationed in Tampa a few years back, and right. I can easily I can easily become a Lightning fan. Yeah, I could I could switch over to that for sure. Um, let's get it back to the match here. One of my favorite things about about Chris Jericho is in ladder matches with him, he uses the ladder as a weapon instead of a prop. You know, it's not a prop for him. This is a weapon. And and Jericho, uh, the psychology he brings to ladder matches, I I really appreciate. It doesn't insult me. Um, This was during the phase where Christian was being referred to as CLB, the creepy little bastard. And it's being pushed hard on commentary. And the crowd is even chanting. So it was over. Yeah. You know, uh, this this crowd, by the way, was on, on fire. The whole JR and the King were on. Uh, they were on point here too. J, the little funny banter they had with Jim Ross asking uh, 
Jerry Lawler. What What's the difference between a Jericoholic and a peep? And Jerry Lawler looks at him and goes, peeps are dressed, which I thought was maybe chuckle. <laughs> a little cheesy Jerry Lawler there. Um, just brutal ladder shots, though. And, and it feels like a fight. And like I said earlier, it feels like a fight, not a spot fest. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, uh, which which it's very easy to turn a ladder match into a spot fest. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, look at some of those TLC matches. Like, they're great, but they're a lot of them are spot fests. Yeah, and uh, absolutely. It, it, and it's easy, you know. Uh, some and to me, the great ladder matches. And I'm going to go cliche here. I'm going to go all the way back to WrestleMania 10. That wasn't a spot fest. That was a great wrestling match that happened to have a fucking ladder in it. And, and that's what I think these guys use as their inspiration as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I do count this as one of the great ladder matches because of that. They weren't using the ladder to get themselves over. They were, they were using the ladder because it was there. Well, that's it, right? And, and some of the spots you see in this is, you know, Jericho goes for a lion salt with Christian is on the ladder. Christian moves, which yeah. just looked brutal. You know what I mean? Um, Christian climbs up to get the belts. Jericho pulls the ladder out. So Christian's hanging up there. But it's done for a reason. You know what I mean? It wasn't just like he went up there and grabbed these things and it looked like a spot. This was Jericho trying to save his ass. You know what I mean? And and Christian took a massive fall. Like It was, it was crazy. Um, Walls of Jericho on the ladder, which was a great falls finish. Christian ends up pushing the ladder and poor Jericho this looked brutal Jericho was on the top of the ladder Christian pushes it over but it was like an aggressive push and it made Jericho lose his footing I guess and and he landed ass first on the edge of the ladder it looked oh. brutal brutal like this the, the leg of the ladder went right up Jericho's ass you know what I mean um and then the finish was simple too I really like the finish. Both men fighting on top of the ladder. And Jericho grabs Christian and nails him with a bulldog. And that was it. And Jericho gets back up and wins. It was a fight. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch this. Uh, I remember really really enjoying it the first time I saw it. Uh, I have to have to watch it again. Um, You can... uh, You you can correct me if I'm wrong with your, uh, your fucking massive wrestling brain. Um, maybe I'm remembering the song. I have a spot that I always loved in my head. Um, and, and I'm trying to remember if I remember it properly. Uh, since we're talking about Jericho in ladder matches, um, I think it was him versus Chris Benoit. Yeah. And he had, and he put Benoit in the walls of Jericho, but sandwiched him with, with the ladder between them. Uh, I don't remember. I don't think that was the Benoit one. I know he has done that spot before. It wasn't this one either. I really, when he did it with Benoit, they were on top of the ladder as well. That was the first oh, time okay. he used that I re- spot. I really like that spot. Yeah, me too. I know the spot you're talking about. I don't know what match he did it in, but I, I thought the spot was great too. That 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 Ben that Benoit uh, Jericho ladder match is, is classic as well. That is oh, a great match. I, I think it might be my favorite ladder match of all time. Wow. It's up there. Okay, cool. It's up there. So, so, uh, so Jericho wins the Intercontinental Championship. Yeah, and I, I believe he lost the next night on Raw or whatever. That this of one course title didn't mean anything, but yeah, 
great match. If hey, you see, that, that's time. that's why Jericho's a nine-time champion. Well, yeah. he only held them for the day. He's a nine-time champion. Uh, I think his total combined reigns are still under honky. Um, <laughs> still a great champion, though. I'm a, and anything Chris Jericho does, I'm all for. I'm a massive mark of la champion. You know, that that reminds me of one of my favorite promos that JBL ever did. Uh, it was when JBL uh, hit the, the one-year mark of being World Heavyweight Champion. Mm. And he uh, he made a comment about uh, Triple H. And I think, I think at this time, Triple H was like 11 or 12-time champion. And he says, just to remind everybody, Triple H being a 12-time champion means he lost it 11 times. Yeah, I like those lines. You know, too. I I love that. <laughs> I like I like those lines too. My favorite champion line is still Ric Flair though when he looked at Maven and said that he's had he's held more championships than Maven's had women. <laughs> I just thought it was a great line. Fuck, you had more championships than I've had women. <laughs> no kidding, but uh, we, you know. That's what a what a great line! What do you even say to that? That's a that's yeah, a, okay, that, that well, is a that is a fantastic you're one, right, Mr. Flair. I am so sorry. Uh, please go to the free clinic, also. Yeah. Go. Oh shit. <laughs> um, uh, all right. So Mr. that leads to your number Rocky, two. What great, yeah. What a great segue. My number two is the Royal Rumble, nineteen ninety two. Ric Flair okay. versus uh, everybody. <laughs> okay. So this was the other one when I when I said when I when I assigned you this this list. I had uh, I had Gibiasi um, Savage and this match in mind. Um, I'm very fucking curious to see what your number one is because I thought for sure this would be it. This was my original number one until I went back and watched another match that was just uh, I it took my breath away. Um, what do you, what do you want to talk about this match first? Royal Rumble '92. That's a little bit of backstory here. The title has been vacated uh, because of uh, Tuesday Night in Texas. With Tuesday the Night in Texas. Undertaker and Hulk Hogan, right? Uh, Taker wins the title in controversial fashion at the Survivor Series due to Ric Flair's interference. Um, and then they have the rematch Tuesday Night in Texas. Hulk Hogan wins the title back due to cheating with using the urn, I believe, and Jack Tunney yeah. getting laid out. And Tunney's had enough, and he puts the title up in the Royal Rumble, which, what a what a great idea. What a great way to shine on the Royal Rumble. First, Absolutely, and it puts everybody on the map, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, t- Taker, Taker gets his day in the sun. Uh, no pun intended, because he definitely <laughs> needed some sun. Uh, uh, you know, Hogan is, is, is built up. It's another one of those things. It's like, 92 is such a weird fucking year. Yeah. 91-92, because Hogan... WCW, on point, Dangerous Alliance. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, no, yes. No, I'm not saying it was a bad year. I'm saying uh, I, I was about to make a point about Hulk Hogan and how they used him weird in 91-92 because first you start with him... Ch- fucking cheating with the urn at, uh, at Tuesday night in Texas. And then you have him throwing that fucking baby fit at the Royal Rumble and, and yeah. pulling sit out of the ring. You know, this was supposed to be your massive, you know, uh, face. And, and, and you're expecting a, uh, a heel turn any minute that never comes. You know, people... Hogan always kind of did healy things, though. Like, he was always raking eyes and scratching backs and throwing clothes 
fifth. And Bobby Heenan and Jesse Ventura used to always lose their mind about it on commentary, which I always I always liked that Jesse called out Hogan for being, you know, not the, yeah. the white meat baby face that everyone called him out to be. Yeah. So here's my big question to you in this match. Who is the bigger MVP, Ric Flair or Bobby Heenan? Oh, Bobby Heenan's the MVP whenever he's on TV. Bobby Heenan <laughs> and Gorilla Monsoon. <laughs> This, this is one of the greatest commentary jobs of any match ever. Uh, definitely the best commentary job of a Royal Rumble. Yeah, uh, you know, that's not fair to Flair. That's not fair to Flair. And Gorilla Monsoon was so great at, at just feeding Bobby what he needed to be fed for Bobby yeah. to go off on one of his rants, right? Absolutely. Uh, one, of my, one of my favorite spots in this match is when Rowdy Piper comes out. And, and I think Flair's in there with maybe Jake the Snake at that point. It was a weird combo. And Piper comes in and helps Flair. And, you know, Bobby Heenan's like, oh, Rowdy. He's like, oh, thank God for you. You know, it's a kilt, not a skirt. It's a kilt. And then 10 seconds later, Piper hits Flair. And he's like, you no good. It's a skirt, Piper. You wear a skirt. Like, oh, I just thought Bobby was great here. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, like the it's matches like this. When people start talking about how, uh, you know, JR is the greatest of all time, or who, or whoever is the greatest of all time. You have to go back to a match like this and see Heenan and Monsoon together, and there's never been a better a better pair. Now, I'm not saying like I am a fan of JR and the King. I hell, I'm a fan no, of J. I'm I'm a fan of Vince and the King. I'm a fan of Vince and uh, and, and and Jesse Ventura. You know, I, I like all those all those pairings, but no, I will go to my deathbed. I will live an, I can live another 60 years and no team, no commentary team will ever beat Monsoon and Heenan ever. No, I, I agree with you. They're they're my favorite. Uh, the chemistry is perfect. Uh, you have a clear face, a clear baby, uh, clear heel, clear face. Uh it's perfect, and and they just knew how to give each other what they needed to get. Yeah, and and what a what a moment for Ric Flair too. By the way, he went through the entire roster, and if you take a look at the who who's in this Royal Rumble, it's a who's who: former world champions, Hall of Famers. This is one of the most stacked Royal Rumble fields of all time. There is a reason why, you know, thirty years later, this is still my favorite Royal Rumble. Yeah, um, you know, I don't got, see it. I don't it. see it ever being beat. Uh, you know, my prized possession in my home is my Royal Rumble '92 uh, full size poster. <laughs> yeah, uh, show me that when we do SummerSlam live show. I'd like. To oh, that. definitely. I'll. I will bring that out on camera. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. Do that. that is. Uh, it, you'll never beat that Royal Rumble for me. Um, the story being told, the fact that the the title was vacated, you know, uh, we'd never seen that before, uh, never seen it again. Uh, we have seen the title defended in the Royal Rumble, but it wasn't vacated. And how great, uh, how great was Flair's promo at the end of this match, too? With a tear in his eye, it was fantastic. Yeah. I, I always like to when, when Flair made his entrance and Bobby Heenan was pissed off and Gorilla Monsoon is talking about all the money that he's going to lose. How much should you bet on Flair to win? He's number three. He's not going to win. Like, I just like the little little details. Yeah. Yeah. All right, dude. What the fuck can beat that? I didn't think anything could beat that until I went and I rewatched this match. 
And we are going um, to the Elimination Chamber uh, from San Juan, Puerto Rico. You've got Edge versus Chris Benoit versus Batista versus Triple H versus who's the last one in there? Uh, Randy Orton. And then you got Shawn Michaels as a special guest referee. All right. Now, I, I, I'm mixing up a lot of my Elimination Chamber so, matches, so I'm having a the, hard time remembering this particular one. This is from the New Year's Resolution pay-per-view. Ah, okay. Right for I... WrestleMania 21. Okay. Um, as, you, as I just mentioned with the names involved, that, what a star-studded Elimination Chamber. All right. Uh, yeah. I believe I believe the title was vacated because there was a triple threat match with Edge, Benoit, and Triple H, and there was a double pin in it. So they, they okay. just said, "No, we're going to put it up in the chamber." I believe that's the backstory to that. Um, right. Let us talk. I want to talk a little bit about some of the guys in this match here uh, and where they are at this point. So Edge is one year away from cashing in. Exactly one year away from exactly cashing in. one year away. Yeah. For, for his first world championship. So he's in the new stages of being a heel here. I believe he just turned heel October, November. So he's what, three this months is in. The start, this is the start of the R-rated superstar. He's, uh, you know, the, the, the Matt Hardy thing is now behind him. Yeah. And he's, he's building towards what he's really going to be known for for the rest of his career. Yeah, and, and he, was, he was on point here. He's in the middle of a, a nice little feud he was having with Shawn Michaels at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it really cool to see where he's going to be in a year from now, and you can just see the seeds. He wasn't there yet, you, you know. You, you could still see he was making tweaks to everything, but you could just see that he was on the brink of, of that next level, you know. And it's nice right. to see them get to that level because most of the time they don't get to that next level when they get there. Um, you know, Triple H at this point, he's the leader of uh, Evolution. Uh, Batista is they're having this great slow build you know, building up to what will eventually be the WrestleMania match. So very subtle, the little things, Batista staring at the belt, making comments here and there. And he had been instructed, you know, Triple H is the guy that's got to walk out with the belt here, Batista. You, you make sure that he wins the belt. You know what I mean? Um, Jericho was just kind of floundering. Randy Orton, he, I don't know. He, he was weird. It was a weird time for Randy Orton. This, this was a weird time after he, uh, uh, you know, uh, after his cha- his first championship run didn't really go how people, you know, saw it going, then they were kind of, you know, it's almost like they lost faith in them. Like, f- that first face run for Randy just didn't work. No. And no. Uh, they didn't know what to do with him after that. So, yeah, he was kind of just kind of there at the moment. I, I will tell you, though, when Batista makes his entrance for this match, the crowd was ready for him to become a superstar. One hundred percent, Batista was the next guy. Uh, people wanted Batista at the time; they really, really did. And they were smart in go in building him slow. They took their time of uh, of ripping him away from Evolution. They didn't rush it, which was great. Yeah. And I like a little attention to detail there. While Batista's in his chamber and Randy makes his entrance, he walks in front of Batista's chamber, gets right in his face and points at his head and says, use your head, Batista. You want to let Triple H win the belt or, you know, use your head. 
which I, I really like that. Also letting Randy stir the pot a little bit, right? Yeah, I like that too. And the last guy on the list is uh, Chris Benoit here. He's one year removed from main eventing WrestleMania 20. He's just kind of floundering around right now with uh, with him and Jericho, right? Yeah. Um, but what a stacked mid-card you have in the WWF at this point. Batista, uh, Edge, Benoit, Jericho. You know, you got guys like Sheldon Benjamin still. Like, their mid-card, RVD is hanging around, I believe. Like, what a what a stacked roster at this point. Well, uh, because I don't remember a whole lot of this match, uh, I want you to uh, remind me of two things. Okay. Uh, number number one, why was Shawn Michaels the special referee? Um, I don't remember. I think he was kind of feuding with everybody at this point. You know, him okay. and Triple H were always kind of beefing. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I don't remember exactly why they. I think they just wanted somebody that they could trust to handle a match of this magnitude. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and my my second question, since it is in the chamber, was he wearing a pair of poopy brown pants? He was not wearing a pair of poopy brown <laughs> pants or short shorts either. He was uh, he was good Shawn Michaels referee at this point. And no ugly Bob haircut. No ugly Bob haircut either. No, he was uh, he was in fine form in this one. We had we had vintage Shawn Michaels here. All right, good enough. Also, just side note: Chris Benoit is from Atlanta now. Also, he's a uh, Canadian. <laughs> so, so, was, so, so he was a babyface then. Yeah, he was a babyface from Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> so now he's from Atlanta. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna kind of go into detail on this match because there's a lot to talk about, and uh, I'm gonna kind of ramble on it a bit. But I, I want to give this match the respect it deserves. Uh, the right two guys start this match. You get, you give me Benoit Jericho. You want to talk about Benoit Malenko and their chemistry? Benoit Jericho just beat the shit out of each other every time they're in the ring, um, and and the crowd is on fire right from the get go. The crowd is, you know, they make this match even better than what it already is. The, this crowd was was on fire. Um, but every time Benoit hit a chop. They lost their mind. And these guys just beat the living shit out of each other for five minutes. Um, and it capped off with a huge superplex off the top of the chamber. Great five minutes. Uh, the crowd is going down. Every time that the next participant is about to come in and they do that little countdown spot, the crowd chants in Spanish. They count it down in Spanish, which sounds really cool. Oh, that is cool. Uh, your third guy in is Triple H. Um, and he just comes in. The crowd... Uh, they looked at him as the superstar of this match for sure. Uh, and he just beats the shit out of both these guys too. Benoit takes that Brett bump into the turnbuckle. Um, the, the, those chains in the chamber are so stiff. This old yes. elimination chamber, everything about it is stiff. Um, Benoit, Benoit gets smoked into it. He's busted open. Triple H has taken massive backdrops on the greats. Uh, everyone's busted open pretty much by this point. Uh, Triple H is getting the shit kicked out of him. Batista looks like he's ready to break through the glass and, and come to try to save him. Uh, just great storytelling going on so far. That is awesome. Uh, and then you got Edge coming in next, and he just comes in, and he's he spears everybody. And he's in Shawn Michaels' face because they're feuding with each other, right? Chris Jericho eats the chain on a slingshot. So does Triple H. Now they're busted open. So you got three guys bleeding now. Um, there is a way to do blood right in wrestling still. And I know it's kind of taboo right now. I, like, I'm glad they've gotten, gotten away with chair shots to the head and stuff like that. I do think there is still a home for blood in wrestling on occasion in the 100%. right circumstance if it's done right. 
And, and this is done right here. This is putting over the danger of this elimination chamber, right? And again, we talk about it all the time. Gimmick matches don't get their just due. So now you have four guys in the ring that are all just devastated, especially Benoit, Triple H, and Jericho. They are in rough shape. They're bleeding. This is giving the respect to the gimmick match that the gimmick deserves. Right? Right. Like, I, I don't know. That's my pet peeve in wrestling these days. Um, Jericho eats a pedigree, which leads to Randy Orton coming in. Not getting the big pop that you think you would get at this point for him. And, you know, and that's just the failed babyface run. And I think they were smart to turn yep. heel shortly after this, right? I mean, it happens. Uh, you know, it's no one's to blame for that. Sometimes when somebody's a red-hot heel and you try... You know, especially in a young career like Randy had at the moment, you try to turn them face, and sometimes it just doesn't work. Yeah, and and you know what? I will give him credit because he does get the crowd fired up, and they do get behind him and give him a Randy chant. But that initial pop is like, you know? Yeah. Um, And Randy comes in, and and this is where the match really, really picks up now. Uh, He just absolutely starts destroying Triple H. and all of a sudden, like Jericho comes from, from behind him. He nails him with an RKO from out of nowhere. Uh, looked amazing. An amazing spot where Randy Orton, uh, let, me, let me just make sure I have this here. Randy is in the, uh, in the crossface, and Triple H is taunting him, right? And then all of a sudden, Benoit gets mad and gets up and puts Triple H in the sharpshooter, right? And then Randy Orton RKOs Chris Benoit. And then Edge spears triple or Edge spears Shawn Michaels by mistake. Then he spears Randy Orton, but there's no one to count it. Edge just slaps Shawn Michaels in the face. Sweet chin music. Lion salt. See you later, Edge. Just a, a great storytelling, furthering the feuds, building the momentum with these submissions. The crowd is losing their minds. These guys are are putting on a clinic at this point. Um, then you, you keep going on, and I know I'm rambling about this match, Mike, but I, I got to keep going here because no, I, I I'm, I'm interested. Keep going. It yeah. gets it gets even better because now you got Triple H. He's eaten three German suplexes, diving headbutt off the top of the chamber. Now here's here's my favorite part of the match. Benoit hooks hooks the cross face on Triple H, and then Jericho walks over and puts him in the walls of Jericho, and like you know. There's 10 seconds left. Batista is the last guy that has to come into the ring, right? He is going absolutely apeshit. The crowd thinks Triple H is going to tap out. It's a countdown to, you know, save Triple H. Just genius booking. Batista comes in, and it just gets fucking awesome. But before that, the referee cannot open Batista's cell. There's a botch, and, and they played it off so well. Batista's losing his mind. The referee's panicking. Batista's pounding on the thing. The crowd's still going crazy because Triple H is in trouble. It kind of added, the botch kind of added to the climax of the excitement of what was going on, right? Right. And then all of a sudden, Batista comes in and he just, just, he kills everybody. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, he beats up Benoit, Orton, Jericho. But then all of a sudden, there's this little moment where him and Triple H come face to face and they just stare each other down and it's very tense, very, very tense. And, and Jim Ross is letting everybody know, right? What are you going to do, Batista? Like he's in, he's in Jim Ross classic mode. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
Batista ends up press slamming Chris Jericho and throwing him on top of a cameraman, which looks so cool. Uh, everyone is uh, everyone is down at this point. Uh, it's just pure violence. There's blood everywhere. Batista spine busters Benoit, then picks up Jericho, spine busters him on top of Benoit and pins Benoit, so he's out. Huge Batista bomb on Jericho. Jericho's out. They are really pushing Batista to the moon here, coming in and eliminating everybody. Now you're two-on-one with Randy Orton, right? Now you've got your story. You've got the two faces. Uh, sorry, the two heels against the one baby face. Randy Orton's busted open. Um, they are just bawling Randy Orton. It's a massacre here. But all of a sudden, Batista goes for the Batista bomb, gets countered with a low blow and an RKO. And there goes Batista. So you're down to Triple H. You're down to uh, you're down to Triple H and Orton as your final two. But Batista isn't getting out of the ring. Or when they open the cage, sorry, when they open the cage, Flair runs in to distract. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then Batista hasn't left the cage yet, so he just beats the fuck out of Orton, lays him out, and hands Triple H the world title. This match was fucking awesome. Like. Fucking awesome, man. I unfortunately don't remember this match. I need to go back and rewatch it because it's it does you're really building it up for me. I'm telling you, this match, I have not watched it since it happened. And I remember watching it when it happened. I was like, that's the best elimination chamber match they've ever done. I went back and rewatched it when we did this list. It is it is a fucking awesome match storytelling is everything when you have the, that type of talent in the ring uh they just they put it all together everything was perfect i cannot recommend this match enough no i you've given me at least three matches to go back and watch that's great i did my homework man i did you my really homework. really did uh i'm kind of glad jack had nothing uh jack wasn't invited to the show today yeah no kidding I'd still be talking about the Elimination Chamber if that was the case. I know I rambled a bit at the end there, but I want to give this match the respect it deserves. It is one of the best matches you will watch. So, was there anything I missed, Mike? What's uh, What do you got? Any, no, you got any... because everything that would have been on my honorable mention list, you've are you you talked about you. Yeah, no, I. Uh... Now, I know there are some people listening to this that are there i'm going to take some heat i left a couple big ones off okay i left off edge versus taker from one night stand in the tlc match and i left off in your house final four as well and they they just didn't and both those matches are great but i i think i'm okay with your list yeah uh the other match that i left off and i wanted to put it on and I just couldn't find it to rewatch it. Was AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan for the Intercontinental Title recently? I, I think that could have snuck on my list in the number seven spot. In all honesty, um, but I just I couldn't find it to watch it. Right. So I had a couple honorable mentions: um, uh, Age of the Fall against Steen and Generico from Ring of Honor was good. My biggest disappointment, I and I saw this match, and I told you about this off air, was an NWA tag title match between Terry Gordy and Steve Williams against Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham from the Great American Bash. Oh, man, it was just awful. 
It was just awful. <laughs> I, I we, we've discussed this before. Don't you hate it when that happens? When, you, when you're like, oh, I can't, I, I can't wait to watch this match. And, you know, uh, uh, I'm looking forward to this list because of this match. And then you watch the match. You're like, oh, fuck, that wasn't nearly as good as I remembered. Uh, uh, honorable mention as well from the ECW television title. Super Crazy versus Rhino from Living Dangerously. It was a fun little match. Um Arn Anderson versus Wahoo McDaniel for the vacant television title from 1986. Bret Hart versus Benoit from Mayhem. Just had too much interference for me to put on there. Uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus the Garbage Can for the WWTV title, though. Let's talk about that. You could talk about uh, the New Age Outlaws versus Funk and Cactus from the cage match we talked about in our last episode. Dude Love and Austin against Owen and Bulldog for the tag titles was a fun one as well. Uh, how about Mr. Perfect versus Tito Santana for the Intercontinental Championship? That oh, was yeah. I yeah, that, 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 that almost made my list. That Out of everything you mentioned in your honorable mentions, that one, that one could uh, find a way to squeak on the list. Yeah, It came close. It was on there. It was off there. It was on there. Uh, a couple other decent ones, but nothing worth, you know, Kevin Owens versus Big Cass versus Seth Rollins versus Roman for the Universal title was good. Christian versus Del Rio in a ladder match was good. Brock versus Mankind from Survivor Series. Like, there was a lot of them, uh, but I, I stand by my list. Yeah, as, as you should. Uh, this is, one of, again, one of those rare times where, uh, just like last week, where uh, I, I agree with 100% with your list. Um, you agreed a lot with my list last night, but I don't know if it was you agreeing or if it was Jack agreeing. So, <laughs> I, I think uh, there was one match that I would have put on your your Terry Funk list, and that was it. But uh, a lot of fun matches. If you guys haven't watched some of these matches, do yourself a favor, go out of your way and watch it. Um, especially the three well, that you were saying, Mike. That yeah, I'm definitely those, those those two WCW tag matches and the Elimination Chamber match are all on my watch list for the next couple of days. Yeah, and I know I'm going to take heat from a friend of the show, Jay, who you hear on our Counted, counted Out Watch Along series, because I know he was pushing hard for that Final Four to be in there. It just didn't hold up for me, man. A weird weird <laughs> match that didn't hold up for me. That's because it's the only match from that era that he, <laughs> that, that he watched uh, that he's a fan of. That's fair. <laughs> if a match didn't happen between 94 and 97 jay hasn't watched it <laughs> no you know what and that's something that we talk about on our counted out series uh it's fun like uh, and jay says it all the time he's he's opening his horizon and and he's watching new stuff now and and he's we're having a great time you guys gotta head over we i showed him some ring of honor stuff he's never seen before we've done uh we haven't posted this stuff yet we've done impact wrestling stuff now so I got a lot of we got a lot of cool stuff coming on the the YouTube channel. Very good. Speaking of cool stuff, I got some cool stuff coming up for you then the next uh, the next list, Mike. All right, man. Let's let, let let's do it. Uh, we're on a roll right now. We're we're back on our lists. Yes, right. So let's uh, so so let's keep it going. Well, before we before I tell your list, be sure next week we're gonna have Nova on the show. So make sure we listen to that. And uh, I think maybe we should go ahead and spoil the next two weeks worth of list here because there's a little bit of theme to them, right? All right, good enough. So your list next week, Mike, is going to be the top seven tag team breakups of all time. Now that sounds easy, so I know it's going to be fucking hard. Yep, yep. Because I already got like my top three in my brain within the last 20 seconds, but... 
I guarantee because every time I think you're giving me an easy list, it murders me. Yeah, well, that's it. They sneak up on you. Yeah. Okay, I got my work cut out for me now. That'll be a fun uh, one. Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, let's keep. We're gonna keep on that theme, and then intermingle with another theme because we got SummerSlam coming up, right? That's right. Tis the season. So uh, we're already doing uh, the 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 greatest Randy Orton SummerSlam matches on SummerSlam, but let's do a couple SummerSlam uh, themes leading to SummerSlam. Uh, since you gave me best tag team breakups, why don't you do best tag team matches at SummerSlam? And I thank you for that because, you know, I'm a tag team mark. But also, if you want to talk about the history of SummerSlam, and I'll get into this eventually when we do our list in a couple of weeks, tag team wrestling is a massive part of SummerSlam. They did main event the first two SummerSlams. So there's they uh, did. I got my work cut out for me. I know there's been some beautiful tag team matches. Now, hold on. I got to ask, though. Is it just straight tag team matches or do six man tag matches count as well? Oh, ho, 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 ho. I'm putting you on the spot because we haven't discussed that. No, we haven't discussed that. Uh, you know, I was kayfabing it before making people believe you didn't already know you were doing the, 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 the tag team thing. Uh, that's bullshit. Uh, we have discussed this off the air, but every, we did not discuss then, this off the air. This is a shoot, though. Um, Fuck. Uh, you know what? You obviously have uh, have something in the back of your brain. Why don't you throw those six mans in there? All right. Six mans right. included as well. I don't know if they'll make my list or not, but I just know that there are some six man tag matches in the history of SummerSlam. I don't want to just I don't want to cut them if they don't have to be. But uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, maybe I'll throw right. a six man on there. Speaking of SummerSlam, August 23rd, I'm going to beat it in all your guys' heads. Join us for Instagram Live. It's going to be a great show. Nova is going to be on next week. Hopefully you guys enjoyed Jimmy Corderas this week. And then uh, that's it for guests for a little while. No more interviews. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to hold back. without. Now, that's not to say that we don't have a whole lot of guys, you know, raring to come on the show. I, I, I have a few guys that uh, we're going to get in the, in the future. But we're going to take a break. Uh, I mean, we're not. Uh, we're we're a list show first. That that that's right. what we're supposed to be. Um, our plan was whenever we had a, a guest on, the guest was gonna was gonna help us with with the list, the way the Mad Dog did, and the way that uh, the way that Jay did. Um, however, that's just not uh, in the cards for every one of our guests. You know, yeah, it's, uh, a lot, it's a lot to ask of people to do research like that. Exactly. Sometimes some of these guys I, I know just don't have the fucking time in their life. Like people like Nova and and, uh, and Tyler Dukes and Jimmy Corderas, they're busy guys. Um, hell, when uh, when you talked to uh, uh, to Dave Penzer, he had a time limit with uh, with, with you because he had to jump off and go do some work for TNA. Yeah, you know? yeah, so, it, was, it, was, uh, it was cool. So uh, so some of these guys are really busy. Um, you know, we, we get lucky with some guys like Jay and Mad Dog because they got no fucking lives, so uh, so, so 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 they can do whatever they want. So that was the original plan. When we said we were going to bring on guests, we were we were going to have them do the lists with us. But that, like we said, it doesn't always work out like that. So uh, certain guys, like I, I have a couple guys in my brain right now that I know uh, because I'm friends with them. Uh, not only are they great uh, uh, wrestling uh, workers. 
they're also my buddies, so I guarantee I can guilt them into doing lists with us. Absolutely. Uh, so so I, I call that the Kevin Smith technique. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's how he gets Ben Affleck in all his fucking movies. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but yeah, uh, but for now, just for, at least for the next, uh, few weeks, months, whatever, we're going to lay off the guests after Nova, uh, get back to what we do best, which is our lists. And then we'll, uh, then we'll bring in guests here and there. We never plan on doing four guests in a row. Uh, that's the thing. Uh, it just, that was how it worked out for timing. Uh, you know, we, when, when, when you're talking to a guy like Dave Penzer and a guy like Jimmy Corderas in the same week and they both say, yeah, we want to be on the show, you don't tell them to wait a month. No. no. You know? So. So. Well, it is like what I, it is. Like I said, leave, a, leave your feedback to those interviews as well. Let me know uh, if you guys uh, liked it. Let me know what you didn't like so we can make it better in the future as well. You know, that's new territory for me. I've never interviewed people before. So uh, hopefully I did all right. Uh, and, and we're having a lot of fun with it, man. We're talking to some great people. Um, you'll be hearing our Nova episode really soon and, uh, you're going to love it because she's such a, uh, man, she's real. You know, she didn't bullshit us. She didn't, you know, give us, you know, just the answers we wanted to hear. She's just really real. Um, you're going to be watching out for Nova for a couple of years. She's just, she talks like she's a veteran, but she's only been around for two years. She is such a student of the game and she knows her shit. I can't wait for you guys to hear this, this interview. She's great. I, I think, I think that she's going to go on and I think we're going to look back in time and be like, Oh my God, I interviewed, we interviewed, sorry, the no. current women's champion. In the yeah, WWE. Or absolutely. Like, I, I think we're going to be, she's, uh, when she's kicking some serious and NXT in the next few years, we're going to be really patting ourselves on the back. 100 percent. Uh, keep an eye out for that. You got anything you want to say before we bring it home, Mike? No, brother. Uh, I think it's time to go. Uh, and I, I got, I got, I got to get off the phone and start working on this, this, uh, this tag team list because I have a feeling it's going to take all week. Um, and then, uh, then we're really preparing for uh, August twenty third. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a hell of a show. I hope you're all there and uh, uh, watching. Uh, and then, uh, you know what? I might stick around. I'm going to throw in an extra incentive. I think we might live tweet SummerSlam that night. Hey, all right. We'll do some live tweeting. Maybe we'll jump on uh, Facebook Live for a little bit. I think you and I are yeah. going to watch it together from what it sounds like. So well, we're going to try as long as, it, as long as it's not raining. Uh, Tyler and I are not exactly part of each other's social bubbles. So we do everything social distancing. So uh, when we hang out, we hang out outside. So uh, as long as it's not raining, I might put my TV out in the backyard and... Uh, and we might watch the show together. And, uh, yeah, we'll jump. Uh, we'll do some live tweeting. Maybe a, uh, a Facebook Live here or there. But, uh, but yeah, we're going we're gonna to keep interactive with you guys during SummerSlam. So I've got to teach you how to use Twitter before SummerSlam, then. <laughs> I was going to say that to you <laughs> off air. <laughs> had to throw you under the bus on air, though. Buddy. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's take her home, then. And uh, everyone leave your feedback for Mike as well. I want you to really rattle him. If you got any good tag team breakups in your head, throw them for a list, throw them for a loop this week. Let's make him stress out about this list. <laughs> well, uh, until next week, I am vacating Tyler of his title of uh, co-host of <laughs> Counted Out. Uh, until next week, guys, we have been Counted Out. <laughs>
Cheers.